you're tuned into an episode of JK, but seriously, real football injury talk. Yeah. Welcome back to week two of the JK, but seriously, real football injury talk podcast with my man, Josh Boyd. What's going on? We had a pretty successful first week, I think, but a few new injuries to talk about that we're going to start off in the opening drive. Um, First off, we got Rob Gronkowski uh, with a groin injury. What do you got to say about that there, Mr. Boyd? So more so than the injury itself, it's like, is Gronk ever going to stay healthy again for his career for an extended period of time? It's like he's the perfect example of a dude who like, he's had so many injuries at this point. And it's like, at what point is it just his body is breaking down just from the amount of contact that he takes? We kind of touched on it last week when we were talking about um, strike zones and where you have to bring guys down. And we, we referenced Gronk and how, how guys have hit him low, but – like he's got leg issues, he's got ACL issues. He everyone sees that the big club, the club he's got on his arm. It's like the biggest thing going. Like right. He has had elbow problems. He's had back problems. It's like it was a broken forearm, right? That yeah. he he broke that twice. Didn't yeah, he? yeah. So now he wears the, like the, a full brace, club. Yeah. So and it, so I guess the rumors today were that it's not overly serious, but it's just another thing. Like to me, he looks like he's moving slower. Like he used to in his prime three four years ago. He was. He was six five, six six, and out running guys. And, and I, I, I remember too, like when he f- when he first got in the league, like what he was most well known for is like the physicality in addition to the athleticism. Like usually you have like one or the other. Yeah, he couldn't and, bring him down. People were he would destroy people, and now he just seems like he's a little a little slower, and maybe because it's just a buildup of all these injuries. I think. Yeah, I mean they do accumulate over time, and you, you I think. Once you do get injured, you probably change the way you play in order to protect yourself. You know. Yeah. So even if this isn't a, which I don't think it is, a long-term, um, multiple week, month, months injury, but it's still at the same time. It's it seems like every two three weeks with him, there's it's something whether it's big or small. Right. Or, and like we said, I think it's just a style of football that he tries to play. Right. Which, I mean, I was that kind of player, or that's how I what I identified myself as a player, and. I say it all the time, like, you don't last if that's how you play. If, like, your mentality is, like, a physical player and to, like, make big hits and to stick your face in there and, like, not to be afraid, you're probably not going to last too long. You'll impress some people along the way for a short period of time, but... Yeah, but how much can you change, you know? Like, can he change the way he plays at all? Well, that's what I mean. Like, he's grown up his entire life playing one certain way and being reinforced for that style of play. It's just going to get to a point where... He completely breaks down. Right. Until he just can't do it anymore. He needs to alter. I, I think he needs to alter his approach to the game. Yeah. Uh, if he wants to continue to play. Uh, next injury up we have is uh, Greg Olson, who broke his foot on a non-contact kind of plant. Uh, you want to paint that picture for us? Yeah. So this is, this is some of the more bigger fantasy ones, I guess, this week with the try to include the offensive guys. Um, Olson, he's going to be out multiple months with a broken foot, and it was, it was just a. It seems like it was just a freak play. Again, one of these non-contact, just cutting, and just, I don't know, foot went the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. This didn't video, really get stuck in the ground. It was just kind of – This video will be in the show notes, but, yeah, just from what I looked at, it didn't even look like he was going, like, full speed. Like, it's like the ball wasn't going to him, so he kind of, like, started slowing down, planted on the inside foot, and then just hobbled off. It's kind of like a definitely a weird injury. Yeah, so I mean, from a from a fantasy standpoint, you got to think all those other guys on the, on the Panthers will get a lot more um, – Looks going forward, the second and third receivers, Funchess, um, the McCaffrey, the running back. Um, I don't think they really have a 
legitimate other backup tight end that is going to obviously come close to the production that Olsen had. So. How has McCaffrey done so far? I uh they he had a pretty good first week they gave him a lot of touches this week he didn't have i think they only gave him four or five carries and they tried to get him i think they mainly they tried to get him the ball out of the backfield i mean jonathan stewart's still been getting the majority of their carries i think stewart had 16 18 carries this week but it looks like they're trying to get him six to ten touches as a receiver whether it's in the slot or they've put them both in the game at the same time in the backfield and either motion mccaffrey out or um, just had him go out of the backfield on a, on a, on a pass, pass route. Yeah, I'm interested to see how his career goes in terms of injuries because I feel like he's not like he's not like a Gronkowski. He's not like a, a hard runner. He's a skillful runner. Yeah, well, obviously not. But if they're going to – if if he stays at the point where he's not – and I don't know the what – feature back. Yeah, and that doesn't mean he's not playing – 50 snaps a game. He could be, but if he's getting six carries a game, I feel like it's a lot different for a running back to – um, get hold up a little better. Yeah, get six, eight catches a game, and you're only getting six rushes as opposed to getting 25, 20, 25 carries a game. Just you're taking a lot more. Down. Yeah. yeah. So, and he's not obviously he's not a big guy, but um, when he's as shifty as he is, a lot of times he ends up not getting touched on the touches that he has. He's, right. he's not getting hit. He's not going to the ground. Or he's getting like arm tackled kind of thing. Yeah. Not getting crushed. Uh, next injury up is uh, Marshall Yanda. He's a guard from Baltimore. Yeah, so he's their pro ball, all pro, um, veteran offensive lineman. This is lineman. why we need you, dude. I would like never know who this guy even was. So yeah, no, he's he's probably their best offensive lineman, and uh, obviously the Ravens are two and zero, so they beat the beat the Browns, beat them up pretty good uh, this past week, and they uh, they beat who they beat the first week. They beat somebody. I don't remember. It'll it'll come to me in a minute, but so. Oh, they beat the Bengals. They beat the Bengals and they beat the Browns. So they beat two division opponents, but they beat them up pretty good. Their defense is playing well, but um, they've had a lot of injuries all year. They they have the most guys on IR to this point so far this season. They have like 15 guys on on injury reserve already from like t- training camp injuries and offseason injuries, which is like crazy talk. But I wonder what uh, people are saying down in Baltimore yeah, about it, strength and conditioning just, coaches or. And I don't, like I don't know how much and if it's a practice thing or what, but um, but from their offensive line standpoint, their center retired. He was he played two years in the league and he retired this off season. That guy that like went to MIT and was like a oh genius, yeah, I tried to get him on the podcast. Yeah, he's never, a math guy. never responded to me. He but. was the, he was the genius. So, but he yeah. was their starting tenor center. He retired. Um, they drafted a guard, another guard in the fourth round of the draft this year, um, that they thought was going to play a lot or start. And he tore he tore an ACL in practice before any preseason games, so they're already thin on the offensive line. So, um, be interesting to see how they how they bounce back, just with the amount of injuries, especially on the offensive line, now losing their best, undoubtedly best offensive lineman. So, it'll be interesting to see. Panic session in Baltimore. Yeah, they're two and zero, so you can't be that too, panicky. Yeah. All right. Now my boy Jordy Nelson. Wide receiver at Green Bay with the the quad injury on the same leg as his previous ACL injury. Yeah, so they were mysterious about this on the, and it's kind of what they do this a lot in game. You, sometimes you don't get accurate, I think, reports from, especially when it's not an obvious injury that you can like replay and you can see. Um, I don't know if you get accurate reports from the sideline sometimes during the game, um, but and there were, there were a lot of injuries in the Packers game last night. It wasn't just Mike Daniels got hurt. Um, the defensive lineman for the Packers, the Falcons' best outside edge rusher, got got hurt. They were like, I think they were both hamstrings actually. So yeah, I Fal- think you're right. Yeah. Falcons guy's going to be out a couple of weeks, but um, a lot of hamstrings this year. 
Yeah, I think that I think it always happens that 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 early in the year. I I don't know. Again, I don't know for sure, but it just it does seem that way. But Nelson, um, again, it was wasn't non-contact, but it wasn't. He didn't get hit. Or he didn't get a helmet to a quad sort of or anything. Way, yeah. He just he was he tried to he kind of like planted towards the middle and did like a little post corner. Tried to plant towards the middle and shake one way and go back towards the outside and defender had his hands like had his hands on him but and he just kind of pulled up and went out and at first they said it was his quad but they were clearly they were looking at his knee the whole time so oh really on the sideline yeah so they like they the sideline report was that it was a quad injury and he was questionable but the whole time they were just looking at this they were looking at his knee that got that he had the acl on it was two years ago some packer fan i am i didn't even see it so yeah, so I, I, they didn't, I didn't have any updates today. So I think if it, if it was an ACL, they, they would have like known, they, by, they now, yeah. known yeah. by now. So hopefully it is a quad. But I mean, the Packers, they, sorry, Kev, but kind of struggled a little bit last night. With, well, it was against the Falcons, so they're pretty legit. Yeah, with Nelson, I mean, Nelson got hurt. They're missing both their starting tackles. Cobb went out in the late in the third quarter and the fourth quarter with a shoulder. Yeah, you're not gonna just, win like that. No, they were they were running not, for their not lives. against Atlanta. Surprised Rodgers didn't get hurt. I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> They'd really be done if he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last uh, injury on the list that we have is uh, Nolan Carroll, cornerback Dallas with a concussion. I know there's a yeah, little so this, story to this This one. was more just an interesting story, I guess, to me. It was the Cowboys-Broncos were the national 4 o'clock game, game in the 4 o'clock window on Fox. So, yeah, I was able to see it, see it live. I, obviously, Nolan Carroll's not a huge name guy. He's not a superstar, but just the way – so he got a concussion, basically. But basically what happened was on one drive, they were both the same type of play where he was he's, – he's a corner, so he was covering wide receiver, guy made the catch. He wrapped up, and I think one was a linebacker and one was a safety, but – like the second guy in comes and Defin- the guy who tries to finish him off. Yeah, tries he's trying to fin- finish off the receiver and takes out his own guy. Yeah, takes out his own, own guy. And the first time was kind of like a glancing blow, so it wasn't um, like I wouldn't even thought anything of it if they never said anything else about it because it wasn't he didn't get crushed. It was it was it was helmet to helmet, but it, like you said, it was fast, it was friendly fire, and it was it wasn't like head on friendly fire. So. I, they said he went into concussion protocol and was cleared right away. So it never, like I said, it wasn't a huge deal at the time. And then he came back in on the next drive and like the exact same thing happened. He was holding up a wide receiver, just made a catch in front of him. And the guy like hit him right in the star. Another oh. friendly fire? Yeah, same thing. Yeah. I think it was a safety this time. Came over, led with his helmet. And like obviously he's wrapping up and trying to bring the guy down and just held, squared him up. right. In this. So then, and then these, obviously he went, they didn't even say he went in the con- concussion protocol. He obviously did, and then they said he was out for the rest of the game with a with, with a concussion. But I just thought it was interesting that I mean it was two of the exact same plays in the course of probably twenty minutes, right? right? Maybe less. And to me, it's like it's one of those things where I didn't think the first one was that bad. But sometimes we, we talk about this all the time. Sometimes you don't really know. Like some may, maybe the first one that didn't look as bad within a day or two could have been worse than the second one he got. Yeah. So it's just scary to think that uh, – so they obviously they cleared him and he was fine to go back in the game. But at the same time, he got two yeah. – even if it's minor, if you're having two very similar concussion-type instances – Well, his brain the, could have been, like, vulnerable from the first one. Like, maybe – yeah. Exactly. It makes the second one worse. Yeah. And just from my own personal concussion experience – I had one diagnosed concussion before I had the second impact syndrome. And if you're listening to this without listening to the other 
normal head, heads and tails episodes. Uh, go back and listen to episode one if you want to hear my story. But the concussion that I had diagnosed my junior year, I had symptoms immediately. I remember I got I was playing linebacker. I was trying to tackle a guy on a sweep play, and I had a wide receiver come and crack me. Mm-hmm. And I was immediately like confused and disoriented. I remember going in the, the huddle the next play, and like I literally had no idea what was going on. I still played the rest of the game, and I didn't really have any symptoms. It was like a very short-term yeah. kind of like confusion. But obviously that was a concussion, and I did speak up after that, and I sat out for the rest of the week. But for my concussion that led to my second impact syndrome, I didn't have any symptoms until the next day. So I, a full day went by you know, after the helmet-to-helmet hit that I took before I started actually feeling these symptoms. And I think that, that could be along the same lines of what w- what went on there. Yeah, and I think, I, think, I think guys in the NFL have done a lot better job of speaking up both in-game with stuff that happens immediately and stuff that happens when they start to feel symptoms during the week. I think they've done a much better job with that. But it's just scary to think about a guy having a hit that, okay, he doesn't feel terrible about at the time and he thinks he's fine. But – and maybe if he didn't take another hit the rest of the game, he would he would feel symptoms from that, like like you said. Yeah. But him but him staying in and playing the game and then getting another one that's maybe not as bad or maybe even worse. That's 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 kind of the scary part. Right. So th- this discussion or this particular injury got us thinking about like what the actual NFL protocol is. I know we the concussion protocol. Yeah, we talk about it a little people bit. People talk week. about it all the time, but what the the actual protocol is is when a potential concussion is identified the player shall be removed immediately from the field. Uh, The NFL team physician and the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant uh, will then review the video of the play and perform a focused neurological exam. So they reviewed a play to see, like, you know, if the guy got kneed in the nuts and just happened to hit his head or, like, grab his head because he's, like, rolling around, you know, um, being dramatic about it. You know, it could appear as though he got hit in the head and had a head injury. So they review the play to see that he did, in fact, get kneed in the nuts or mm-hmm. whatever the, the injury was. Um, and then the, the focused neurological exam, there's actually two things that they do. Uh, one is called the go-no-go test, which basically just asks the player, like, did you lose consciousness? Uh, do you have confusion? Do they have amnesia? And, like, if they have – Yeah, uh, it's if, obviously if, if they have any of those things right. that – they're 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 gonna be done. Right, a positive on any of those mean you're yeah means you're done for the day. And then they also do a Maddox test. It's called, um, which basically asks them like the player like you know what venue are you at today? Um, which half is it now? Who scored last? What you know what did you play last week? Uh, it, what did your team do last week? Did they win? Did they lose? Yeah. Like those kind of questions. More specific questions that you still probably should know if you're. Right. And this also kind of brings into that the, the blue medical tents. Yeah, it's a lot um, easier to do that stuff. You could more accurately get a uh, you know uh, an honest answer because the guys can't yeah, see. They can't, can't look at the it. scoreboard. They yeah. can't like they can't cheat basically. Mm-hmm. So that's another positive for the the NFL sideline tents. Um I think we're good on that end for the the injuries. So let's talk about some hits that that illegal hits that happened in week one that guys got fined for. So we got um, Ryan Shazer, Shazier, Kev, Shazier, Shazier, my so boy. He, yeah, he's a pick guy, Obviously he's a uh, linebacker. Guy. And you can explain that this hit 
Yeah, so what uh, I'm interested in and what we're going to try to do is find as many of the hits as we can that drew a, that got fined from the previous week. So these are just two examples from week one um, that drew uh, – they both drew flags. So they were both uh, penalties at the time um, of the play, but they also got fined the next week. I think fine, fines come out on Wednesday. You guys find out if they got fined or not on Wednesday. But the, the, a lot of times you don't have to – it's not public knowledge. So – the NFL doesn't um, announce the fines every week, but a lot of times, um, how you find out about it is the players are open to the media on Wednesday. So a lot of times the players will come out, especially if they disagree with it, they'll come out and like protest their fines basically. Yeah. So a lot of times you find out through the team, um, through the coaches, or through the players themselves when they. But uh, that stuff comes out on Wednesdays. So, um, but every week I want to try to talk about some of the hits. Um, that were fined and kind of just talk about the plays itself. Um, and we'll try to link up the plays too. So you got to get an idea be videos of, in there for so you guys can, what we're talking about. And it goes both of these two, uh, one's Ryan Shazier from the Steelers and one's Kenny Vaccaro from the saints that was on a, the Monday night game last week, but they're pretty good examples of things we talked about last week, uh, with the week one stuff. But so Shazier is middle linebacker for the, for the Steelers. And it was just, uh, Deshaun Kaiser for the for the Browns was running out of the pocket, like right up the middle, broken play, ran five yards, slid down. Um, doing what you're supposed to do if you want to save yourself. Yeah, like like the a, right thing to yeah, do. your typical baseball slide, feet first. Like it's pretty obvious that he's going to slide, and Shazier not cool. tackles him. He he launches himself yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was semi launch, but he's still helmet to his rib cage of a sliding. And it wasn't close. Like you, you see a lot of times where it's like bang, bang, and you get the quarterbacks get hit before they start to slide, and they get up, and sometimes it's flag, and sometimes it's not. Right. But this one was clearly pretty obvious. Like he almost stopped the slide first. Right. So, and um, just for the audience, in case you're not familiar with like the rules, in that situation when a quarterback slides, all you have to do is like literally touch him to for him to be down. You don't have to like. Yeah, and most times when force. when you go to slide, they'll, they'll blow it dead. So you don't even really need to touch him. Like they're just, they're giving themselves up. So when a, when a quarterback slides, plays dead. Right. So whether you touch him or not, but um and, and you see right like I talk about this, you see Russell Wilson sometimes who like almost looks like he's gonna slide the fake slide and then like doesn't. So I think and defensive guys kind of bring that up as a reason. But at the same time, like some of these ones are obvious. Like Kaiser was obviously getting into his slide. There's nowhere else for him to go. There's other guys around. Um and Shazier hit, hit hit him anyway. So it was a a, a deserved fine. All right. Um, Let's talk about the Kenny Vaccaro hit. Yeah, the Kenny Vaccaro hit. We we talked about the target area for so safeties and defensive backs when targeting defenseless receivers um, and that type of thing. So Vaccaro got a personal foul penalty for uh, for a hit on the defenseless receiver against Stefan Diggs last Monday night against the Vikings. And again, the video will be up, but it was just a clear launched, launched himself not uncontrolled hel- helmet yet. first, like a rocket. And he, he didn't, it wasn't head to head. It wasn't really a headshot, but it was close. And it was just so blatantly launched. Right. That but if you look at the rules for like hitting a defenseless receiver, it doesn't need to be head to head. Right, he but he led with the crown of his head. Yeah, like it didn't hit him in the helmet, but he led with the crown of his helmet. Yeah, so. and it, it's kind of like we talked about it last week. It's hard to it's hard to launch yourself if you're not leading with the crown of your helmet. 
You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, if you're keeping your eyes up and you use to bite the ball, if you're keeping your eyes up, it's hard. Yeah, you can you can still lunge and tackle with a lot of force because these guys are so strong, but it's not the same launch as when your eyes are in the ground and, you're out and the, like you said, the crown of your helmet's leading, leading what you're hitting. So, right. I mean... Obviously, it was it was fined and penalized, and and rightfully so. Um, there was a play this week in the in in the Steelers game um, where Mike Mitchell broke up a pass. It wasn't going over the middle. It was against a tight end, Kyle Rudolph, and he was kind of like a post route going towards a, a corner route going towards the sideline. But I thought it was a really good example of um, not launching, really good timing, and just not a lot of unnecessary force. Um, more so than anything else, the timing of him hitting the tight end is what separated Rudolph from the ball. Right. Uh, he didn't lead with his helmet. He led with like his forearm into the middle of his numbers. And like I said, it was just perfectly timed. And he didn't even knock him over. But it was just enough – it was enough force right. that it wasn't close to being a penalty. He didn't lead with his helmet. He didn't lead with, lead with his head. Yeah. And yeah, he, I, and, 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 he, and he broke the play up. Yeah, I agree that it was a successful play, and that he, you know, did the right thing. And but I also think the situation, because the the receiver was, was going, going away, away from, from him, him. so yeah. like it's hard to say like, well, you know, if he was coming across the middle, would it have been the same? Yeah, thing? no, but, he might not have done the same thing, but at the same time, um, I think you we've seen a lot of other examples of that same play where dude just try to launch themselves anyway, right? Where, like, and one, it probably doesn't even do the same as what Mitchell did. I think it's less beneficial if you're going to launch yourself at that point. And two, like, you're putting yourself at more risk of getting hurt when you're launching, especially when a guy's going going away from you. But you see guys do it a lot anyway because I – I don't know, not that they're taught to do it, but it's there. I think think it's very instinctual for them. They grew up watching it. Yeah. Okay, so a step in the right direction on that one. And next we have – we start the four-minute offense. Yeah, so we're going to kind of – so this is something that I just came up with today. A I'm little gonna, Josh wrinkle. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow my blow up my own spot. So we, when we talk about the injuries, the specific player injuries, it's going to be the opening drive. So we're going we're, we're gonna to start it off. Get get everybody get everybody going with the big injuries of the week. Um, when we talk about the fines and the hits and the specific plays, um, just of stuff that we've kind of referenced all year, it's going to be a two minute offense. We're going to try to get through that quick two minute drill. Um, I don't know how quick we were, but eh, it was on the quicker <laughs> side. And then on the stuff that we would kind of want to expand upon and think we're going to have talk a little bit more about, it's going to be the four minute drill when you're churning the clock and trying to get to the end of the game. So. We're gonna we're gonna expand on these last couple issues here. A little so bit. starting on the four minute offense, uh, we have an update on the the Texas tight ends uh, with the concussions that we spoke about last week. So, Josh. Yeah. So we said uh, I thought it was interesting that all th- all three of the active tight ends for the Texans on week one had concussions. Got got, got concussions. Not it was interesting that they got concussions, but it was interesting they're playing on Thursday night. So I was interested to see how they were gonna kind of respond to that, and they was happy to hear. Not that I wasn't rooting for the Texans, but all three of the guys were inactive for the game. Because obviously, like like we said, we talked about the concussion protocol, but once you get diagnosed with a concussion, there's a whole other return to play uh, type, type of thing that's really hard to do, especially on short rest. So, And with playing on Thursday, you only have one one practice that, that week. So they were all inactive, which was I, – I wouldn't say – it wasn't surprising to me, but I was happy, yeah, yeah, ha- yeah, happy yeah. to hear it. Yeah. 
But what was interesting is their starting tight end, their first uh, string tight end going into the season, um, wasn't just inactive. He was placed on IR. So he placed on injury reserve, which means you're out for at least six weeks. So you can – they can you can be placed on full season IR. So like if you tear your ACL, you get put on IR. You you can't can't come back. But they made a new rule um, last year where you can place a guy on IR and you can bring him back after eight weeks. This year you can do it with two guys. So this guy and and you don't have to. Last year you had to designate your guy. So if I broke my ankle and it was going to be a eight week injury, um, they would put me on IR with a designation to return. This year, you don't have to do that anymore. You just put everybody on, on IR, but, and, they can come back. and you can bring back two guys. So, I, it, one, it's a really good thing they're doing because in the past, you'd have to keep those guys on the roster, you know, on the on the active roster, which is, I mean, you want healthy guys to play. So now you're getting to the point where you're later in the season where you got guys who probably shouldn't be playing but are playing anyway because you don't have enough active guys on, on, on your so roster. So that's a great step in the right direction. Yeah, you're not you're not encouraging guys to play hurt. Yeah, so I, I think that's a really good thing. But anyway, so uh, C.J. Fedoritz got put on IR this week for a concussion, and to me it was surprising. One, it wasn't made a deal a big deal out of what he's their starting tight end again. He's not an all star, but he was their, he's their starting tight end. Um, he was kind of like a fantasy sleeper this year. Uh, he had a pretty good year last year. But to be put on injured reserve for a concussion to me was surprising because it's them saying, okay, he's not going to be back within eight, eight weeks. And we know that. And most times for a concussion, it's hard to – you don't know that right away. And, right. It's, and it's rare that guys miss that much time with a concussion. So I, I looked into it a little bit, and he he has one diagnosed concussion in the NFL, which happened at the end of last year. So he left week the week 14 game last year with a concussion and me, missed week 15 came back played 16 17 and played in the playoff game okay and they lost the uh they beat the raiders and then they lost to the patriots so he played in both the playoff games um but he only has one diagnosed concussion in the NFL um it doesn't mean he hasn't had more in college and it doesn't mean he had he had a history of concussions in high school i mean you really have no idea from that aspect but and then this preseason – I mean, I've, I've easily had over 20 concussions yeah. knowing what I know what a concussion is So, today, just because so. he's only had one in the NFL doesn't mean – Diagnosed. Yeah. He's probably had yeah. more than one concussion in the NFL. Exactly. But – so then this preseason, he didn't play in the preseason, and they were saying it was a – he had a he quad injury. Um, and he missed – the third preseason game, the tune-up game that all the starters play the most in with a quad injury that I guess it happened in practice. But then right before, I guess right after that, their fourth preseason game got canceled because of the hurricane or because of the flooding and they were supposed to play the Cowboys. So they canceled the fourth preseason game. And right before the fourth preseason game, they came out that he was cleared from concussion protocol. So in the preseason, you don't have to put out injury reports. So it, it doesn't say when... He got a concussion. I'm assuming he got a concussion in practice sometime. Mm-hmm. But it just all it said was he was cleared from concussion protocol um, right around the time of the fourth preseason game, which they didn't play anyway, and that he was good to go for week one. So obviously there was something that happened in the preseason or maybe even before that. that so he had a concussion in the preseason, and then he got another concussion? I guess. It just, all, all it says is he was cleared from the protocol. During the preseason, but he didn't play in any games, so it didn't happen in a game. It happened in a so practice. it must have happened in practice, or it was, or it was something lingering from last year. But I, so all all it said was he was cleared from concussion protocol, he was ready to go for the regular season, and then week one he got it, he got another diagnosed concussion. 
So they put him on. So they put him on IR. But to me, it was like it was surprising that no one made a big deal out of it because it's to me it's obvious that if you're going on IR with, with a concussion, like that's a pretty serious concussion because yeah, that's you, them be saying it's eight weeks for concussion. Well, here's the thing too: it's they could see that he had two concussions within a very short period of time, and they're like, just you not know what, even dude? risk it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you should probably not play for the next eight weeks yeah. and you'll be fine which is what you hope that it is yeah that i mean that would be a step in the right direction but like i guess i couldn't find a ton of information on it and i looked and it's one of those things where they, they're like the nfl and teams aren't required to go into detail about the specifics what of symptoms yeah, are, yeah, yeah. yeah what specifics of the concussion or if it happened in the preseason or if it happened in practice what the scenario was yeah so but it was I mean, just... I, I think it doesn't really matter like when it happened. I think that the fact that it happened close together, it makes it a bigger deal. And you could look at it. I don't know. I, I, I tend to the first thing that came to mind to me was that they're just using extra precaution because yeah, he has a history. Not only did he have one last year, but he just had two within like a few weeks of yeah. each other. It just it just it just made me wonder if there was some carryover either from like I said college or high school with some some history of concussions there that obviously fans and regular people don't know about or if there was a carryover from the concussion that he had at the end of the regular season last year yeah. which I think is possible too um but again it's something that they will never never they're, they're never going to yeah. come out and say so oh maybe someday he'll come on the heads and tails podcast and, and spill his guts and let us know yeah hopefully okay let's move on to another topic that we have uh, in the CFL, not the NFL, and they eliminated all padded practices during the season. Um, so now uh, full contact padded practices are only during the preseason, and they've also expanded the season by one week without adding more games. Um, so there's 21 regular season, 21 week regular season yeah. uh, with 18 games per team, so three buys per team. Yeah. So they're. So. I, Personally, I'm a fan of this yeah. because, you know, based off of what I've heard, I think we touched on this last week um, from all the different athletes that I've interviewed, the the, the emphasis is on recovery. Yeah. And that's how they lead to longevity is like the focus on recovery, whether that's sleep, nutrition, you know, physical therapy, you know, just taking care of yourself. And in my opinion, by having more breaks that you're not getting your you're not getting beat up constantly to have three bye weeks to give yourself more time to heal. I think that's only beneficial to the the players. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think that this is a, I mean, maybe this is my skepticism of, of the NFL. Um, obviously the CFL is Canadian football league. It's obviously it's a well-known league. But they only have nine teams, first of all, and there's a lot less money in it. I mean, I'm sure they 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 do well enough in Canada, but it's not to the same scale as the NFL. So it's a lot easier for them to be able to not unilaterally, but be able to come to a uh, mutual um, Decision, agree agreement yeah. with the players' association in Canada and the owners. Because the biggest argument that everyone always makes is, uh, how can you coach? How can you put in your game plan? Blah blah, all 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 that stuff. With which. With all the technology, you can figure it out. Like if that's if that's what's holding you back, like that's not the biggest problem in the world. So, but the bigger thing to me, I think the non-prad practice during the season that's that's great. Um, from just kind of a comparisons point, the NFL allows 14 padded practices a week, which is basically one a week, and you can't have. Um, I said you can't have more than 11 before week 11. 
so you can't like you can't stack yeah them so so you, you can't you can't go in pads Wednesday Thursday Friday week one two three but to and me then be done like in this day and age like what in the coach in the right mind would think that that no, would be a good yeah. idea and I don't, I don't I don't think guys do that but I mean just for comparison that's basically the NFL rule so okay you basically go one padded practice a week which if you're eliminating that I mean you're gonna practice it's not like you're not gonna practice. I mean, you're going to do the same things. You're just not going to hit. Yeah. All right. Uh, but I think you can still. I, I heard Pete Carroll talk about this uh, during the during the preseason once he was on the radio. You can still teach guys how to tackle without hitting. Without hitting. And you can practice tackling when it's time to do that if you think you're tackling the right way. He was like, I'm not afraid of tackling in practice because I teach my guys how to tackle and they're, and they're tackling the right way. Our guys don't get hurt. And they're like, it makes sense. But if you're not teaching it or uh, if your guys aren't open to changing how they tackle to assimilate with how you want to do it, uh, maybe you're not so comfortable. But So I think the non-padded practices during during the season is good. I think the NFL will do that eventually. Um, it might it might have to wait longer until the I mean, next I, CBA, but I, but I think it's going to go that direction. I, I agree. I, I think that when, they, when you get to that level, you've played how many freaking football games yeah. in your life? You've tackled how many times? Like, you don't need to – tackle during the week to like be able to tackle on Sunday. Yeah. So no, I agree with the that. less time you're hitting your head and smacking bodies, the the better yeah. for, for player health overall. But the more so than that from a player health standpoint is the three buys during a season. Like, and I think that's going to be a much bigger hurdle for the NFL to get to. And that's why nothing, it's so hard for them to change. I mean, it's one of the things the players don't want to give up is, the owners don't want to. So right now you play 16 regular season games and four preseason games. So a home team, you get 10 home home games basically right? because they charge full price for the preseason tickets to all the, all the ticket holders. So they're obviously they're not making them as much from concessions and parking and all that stuff, but they're still, they're still getting, they're still getting 10 game days. Right. And the big point of contention is like the NFL wants to go to 18 games. All right. Without giving up any preseason games. So, cause that's so much more money. Um, but so to me, it's going to be really hard for the NFL to come to an agreement with the NFL PA just because there's so much money involved, but if they can find a way to make a schedule where, all right, we're playing 16 weeks or we're playing 16 games and we're getting two buys or we're going to play in Canada, we're going to play 18 weeks and we're going to get three buys. I mean that, I think that would, I think it would make the product a lot better. Um, and I think it would help a lot with injuries. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, like we said, like the more recovery time you have, the better. Yeah. And that also brings us back to what we brought up last week with the Thursday night games. Yeah. You know, then you like, could. And then if you want to keep, obviously, so you say you have 18 Thursday night games. If you're going to have 18 Thursday night games, you can have buys. All right, people will complain. Maybe some team has a bye week one. Maybe they have a bye week two. But if you're having three buys during the course of your season. Right. Like it's just gonna be, and I think the Thursday night games would be better if they did that. But all right, we're you're you're gonna get a buy after every Thursday night game or before every Thursday and night. Think game. about yeah, how many, how much more preparation time you would have for those yeah. Thursday night and games. And plus, and then you're gonna get another one built in during the regular season. I think, I, honestly, I think the NFL will go to non-pad practices. Um, it's just a matter of time. I'd be really interested to see what's gonna happen with with this with the season, with the preseason, with the regular season. Um, if they can get, if they can just get two buys, I think that'll be, be that'll be huge. I think. So now it's just one buy. Yeah. One buy. NFL. Yeah, you just have one buy, and that was that was the deal with the 
Packers and the or not the Packers the Cause bu- I'm just, the, I- the Bucks and the Dolphins because they got they had the they both had the same bye week in week eleven and their game got canceled week one. Right. So they used that as their bye. So now they have to play 16 weeks in a row. I'm trying to think back to when I was with Rutgers football, and I'm always positive that sometimes we had like two byes. Usually in college you had two. I don't think they – I think they only have one now. I, I, it, a lot of it depends on your conference, and a lot of it depends on your – Like how many teams are in the conference? Yeah. So like the Big Ten now, like Rutgers, for example, they have nine – they play a nine-game non-conference schedule, which is a lot. And you play twelve games, so it doesn't it, it doesn't really give you. I think they just have one buy. There's not enough. I mean, Rutgers has a by the end of the season they get a <laughs> lot of buys, but um, but yeah, I think I I, I remember in the past teams used to have two buys. Yeah, I, I specifically remember like there. I feel like there wasn't as firm of a start date, and not everyone started on the same weekend. And some some teams started earlier. That's and true. And if you started yeah. earlier, you had another. You could have the potential to build in another buy at some point in the season. Now they all start. At this, at the same weekend before Labor Day, and the, you know, there's only enough time if you're going to play all 12 games. I don't think teams used to play 12 games either. I don't know the, the answer to that, so I'll look it up. But I think it's a good, at least, start of a conversation to increase recovery time. Whether yeah. it's finagling the Thursday night games, adding a bye week. I mean, to me, preseason's stupid, and the. The most ridiculous part about it is that the reason why they have them is for money reasons, like you just explained, and like yeah, it's not solely, but it's why they don't want to give it up, and that's why they don't want to shorten it is for for the owners because of money reasons. How but is it, it, how it, is it does not, have a lot of benefit. How so? It it helps. I mean, for the bottom half of the roster, it helps guys make teams because there's a lot of guys who wouldn't make. I would say the last five to seven guys on every team. Their roster spots are decided by the preseason games. You couldn't do that in like an inner squad scrimmage. I mean, if you want to, you can. Is that like the same thing? I mean, They're not an inner squad scrimmage. I mean, like, don't some teams like meet up with each other like yeah. during preseason and they like have practices? Yeah. Like, can't you just do that? You can, but like you know, being an athlete, there's a lot of guys who aren't practice players, play terrible in practice, and you flip the lights on and they're good. And a lot of time, there's guys who are really good in practice and you flip the lights on and they can't perform in a game. Yeah. So um, I think there is benefit to the preseason. I don't think you can cut it out all together like like college, but you need four games. I don't think you need four games though. No. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, I think that was a good conversation there. So we're gonna finish with the conspiracy of uh, the conspiracy theory of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, you could explain this one because I didn't even know this really existed, but it makes sense in in my head once you. You explained it. It made sense in my head, too, and that was why. And I just – I, like, had an epiphany last night when I was watching the Packers-Falcons game. So I read a bunch of stuff all off season about how the NFL was trying to have fewer commercial breaks but make the ones they have longer, not by a lot. Like, I guess uh, the stats were the average commercial break last year was, like, a minute and 50 seconds. And they wanted to change it from a minute and 50 seconds to two minutes and 20 seconds this year and have fewer of them. Because you watch football, there was all the time you would have touchdown, extra point, TV timeout, kickoff, TV timeout, next team comes back out and starts the next drive. It's two TV, two v, two TV timeouts in the span of like two minutes. And like when you're watching that home on TV, it's like this is stupid. Snooze there, fest. Yeah, there's more, there's more commercials than there are games we're watching. So that was one of the things that they wanted to say is we're going to cut out those. There's no more timeouts between kickoff or after kickoff and before the next drive starts. So they still do some TV timeouts after touchdowns, before kickoffs, but there's no more 
timeouts after kickoffs anymore, which is a good thing for the viewer, and that, that makes sense. But another way that they built into having these fewer timeouts but still get ad space and come money again is having these short six to 10 second ads. Like Fox is doing them on the same screen sometimes. Like when they go to a review. It's like Vine, but real life. Yeah. So like sometimes they'll go to when they're as a coach's challenge or doing an instant replay review, they'll, they'll have the, it's like a uh, picture in picture. So they'll have the box of the ref looking at the replay, but they'll have the sound and the ad, another ad on TV. And then this week I started to realize like a lot of times when guys are getting hurt and guys are down on the field, instead of in the past, keeping the camera on them, showing them down on the field, showing the trainers there, showing, showing, the, replay. showing the replay of how the guy got hurt. This year, if there's an injury, not an injury timeout where it's going to be like the guy got seriously hurt and it's going to be a couple minutes and they need to do a full timeout when it's just like he got dinged up or he's cramping or something like that and it's going to be short, they're, they're cutting away, going to these short 10, 15-second commercials and then coming back when the guy's off the field. That's some freaking Hunger game shit right there. So they're not letting the viewer on TV see, one, the replay of the guy getting hurt, and they're not letting the announcers talk about the guy who's getting hurt and how they got hurt and their injury history or if they were hurt coming into the week. So they're taking a lot of the emphasis that in the past was just solely because obviously they're hurt and there's no other action, so the announcers are going to talk about it. So they're taking all of this attention that used to be on these injuries, even though a lot of them are minor, but they're taking it off of that and showing you an ad really quick. And then by the time you get back to the game, the game is going on again. So it's like you don't even – You forget about yeah, it. Yeah, you just don't even know. Out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. I mean – And, yeah. I, and I, I think I think a lot of it is they're, they put up this whole front – not really front because it is true, but advertising piece that – oh, we're doing this with the commercials and these ads are beneficial and they're help, helping the advertisers and it makes the game faster and, and, really and it's better for the viewer. But I think they realize like we're going to take as much attention as we can off of these injuries that happen five, six times a game when kid guys get their feet stepped on right. or whatever it is. And the thing is like that, that they, they very well could have been a meeting at NFL headquarters where they were saying like, all right, what can we do to like – take the attention away from the injuries. Yes, cuz it's all about how we look. And we could and we could, you know, coordinate, you know, and what was what this reminded me of was my interview with Chris Nowinski um, in episode 93 was one of my a couple weeks ago. And he was saying when he was talking about the NFL that their their I guess strategies are much more coordinated now to become like more seamless in in how they present. And this could very well be like one of those instances. But the the thing is too, is like they've almost, they've earned the reputation. Like they've earned the reputation of having people question yes. their decisions yes. and their actions. Like yeah. it, they very well could have been just because they're trying to make it a more engaging thing yeah. to watch, but because of their past and because they weren't honest and upfront with yes. the injury situation in the past, they've given themselves yes. this, uh, you know, and these ads have been successful. It's not like – and it's not only football. Like They've been doing them in baseball. They've been doing them in the golf. Like They've been doing them in other sports, and it's, and it's been just because of the short attention span of people. And like these short ads have been very successful for the companies that are running them. So 
it's easy for them to focus on this is why we're doing it. It's working for it's working for companies. Um, they're having a big boost in whatever it is that, that you're selling with these short uh, snippets of ads. But at the same time, like I think in the back of their minds, they were like, this is going to help us a lot. And win, this, win. And this is when we're going to do it. It's not like, oh, we're going to cut away in the middle of plays, you know. Well, I mean, I guess or you really like, wouldn't do like that. in between drives, like where there's there's a lot of times in in games where you have 15, 20 seconds of downtime. So you can easily cut away from an at. But I think they're using the injury, obviously not injury timeouts that are longer, but small, small scale injuries to cut away. Watch yeah. for it this week. Yeah, I was just gonna say that, that, that this is where we'll we'll end this podcast. But I'll definitely be on the lookout for that and see like if it is really when the injuries come about when they 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 have these short little commercials um so josh thanks for your research and your 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 hard work of gathering all this information and starting a conversation about some of the issues that are arising in sports health and safety in the nfl again it was a blast and uh see you next week let's do it dude